Trentino, nestled in the Alps, welcomes each and every guest with a glass of Bolancine da Montagna, translated as Mountain Bubbles, but officially known as Trento Doc, their splendid sparkling wine. But what else is there to drink in this gorgeous northern region of Italy? I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week, we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time by the best in the industry. Today, we get to meet a few people who are making the drinks that Trentino is famous for, and some that were a surprise. Matteo Covazzi from Mezza Corona, the second largest producer of Trento Doc, is with us to explain exactly what Trento Doc is. Then we have Andrea Lucchetta telling the tale of Bella Vidare, a small producer of Trento Doc, and the other wines I got to try. Michele Dolzan from the world-famous Villa de Varda Grappa Distillery joins us. And to end it all, we have Andrea Paternoster, who is making mead the Trento Doc way. This is just a fraction of what's available to imbibe in Trentino. To find out what else, you would have to read my new Lush Guide to Trentino at alushlifemanual.com. But don't leave us yet, as we head to Mezza Crona. So, uh, where we are, first of all, we are in Trentino. We are, we are quite in one of the, north, one of the northest region, winemaking region in Italy. So it means that uh, we are uh, in a quite in something that can be considered a cold climate area and it's quite uh, different compared to all the other Italian winemaking region. So here as you can see we are surrounded by the, by the mountains and the 90% of our region is not flat but is above uh, 3,000 feet above the sea level. So the availability of land that can be used for agriculture and for living is quite small. In fact, as you see, most of the, uh, the surface of the valley, of the flat part of the valley, is cultivated. There are mostly two types of, uh, uh, of cultivation, is vine and apples. That uh, actually is why this region is also famous, for white wines, red wines, and also for apples. Uh, I want to just introduce our uh, trellis system. So this trellis system is quite typical and quite particular and can be found just here in Trentino and just in few other spots in Italy, most of them based on a mountain region. The reason is simple is because this trellis system, it allowed you to capture as much sunlight as you can during the, during the, during the day. In fact, as you can see, the valley is oriented from north to south. So the sun rises in the morning very late because we have a mountain here and also it's the sun sets very early in the afternoon because we have the mountain in this side. So what the people, the, the first pioneers that developed the, uh, the viticulture in this region more than 500 years ago, they decided to make something that actually produced leaves or I want to sometimes call it photovoltaic panels because actually the leaves wo works as a photovoltaic panel. They do not produce electricity, but they produce nutrients and they produce sugar, they produce the acidity, the minerality all the components that are very important, very important that then are drive, are drive into, the, into the bunches, into the berries, and then into the wine. So that's the reason why we have this system. This system is also very nice because it keeps away, it, it keeps the, the bunches uh, 
in uh, not in direct sun. So, for example, in, in such a variety like aromatic variety, Gewurztraminer, Sauvignon Blanc, but also varieties that are not aromatic like Pinot Grigio, the sun doesn't burn the bunches. So and it preserves its minerality, its crispy character, its fresh, fruity, and intensity. So, and this is quite important. And then I want to say the first quality step, the first quality operation that the Trentino conduct is not in the vineyard, it's not in the winery, it's not here or in other, in other facilities, in other small winery you will see, but it's in the fields because this system is impossible to mechanize. So all the harvest, all, all the uh, grape has to be hand-picked. What does it mean, hand-picked? It means that every single bunch that is picked, it passed through a couple of human hands and a couple of human eyes. So it means that the human, so the member who is here, it can decide if throw away to keep it or throw it away, the bunches. In function of what? In function of our request. Because we are requesting to our members to deliver only earth grapes. We don't want grapes that has a problem. We don't want grapes. So the first trimming has to be conducted here. So when they pick, when they pick this one, it will be a future uh, little bunch of, of Pinot Grigio. Cut it here and either side. Is it suitable for Mezza Corona or not? How we play, how we ask, how, how can we force them to trim and to select with the payment? If they deliver a health grape, good grape with a nice sugar level, with a nice acidity, they are paid very well. Otherwise, if they deliver crappy grapes, they are very underpaid. So this is the only, the only tools that we have to push the farmers to deliver, uh, to deliver the grapes that actually we need to produce a wine that can be labeled as a Mezza Corona. It can be sold in the international market under the, under the Mezza Corona brand. After that explanation, I wanted to know more about Matteo's own role as a winemaker. The, the work of the winemaker starts in, uh, in the, during, the harvest, during the harvest season when you have to select what's the grape that are suitable for a certain project or not, or are suitable for another project. And then we, you have to select the grape and define all the protocols how to process this grape. Then once the, you have defined the protocols, you have to follow all the fermentation, so all the process that metabolize the sugar into alcohol and make it convert the juice into a wine. And then you have to follow, to follow, to follow up to the bottling. So because obviously after the fermentation, you don't just finish your job, but you, have, you start another job, another effort that is the aging. So you have to follow to decide which wine has to go into the barrel, which wine has to go into the stainless steel containers, how many rackings you have to do, uh, how long has to be the racking. There are so many things to do up to the moment of the bottling. When in a company like Mesa Corona or like Rotary, as we are bigger, a big company, we don't just take one tank and okay, okay, bottle it today. No, we take a big tank and we blend together into this tank so many other small tanks. Because what we have to do is to maintain also philosophy and a consistency, a consistency of the philosophy. Sometimes I make an example. When, when you buy a Nutella, the Nutella in Italy, the Nutella in Australia, United States, the United Kingdom is exactly the same. 
So if you are an American, if you are an English and you go in uh, Thailand and you want to eat a Nutella, you, are, you know exactly that you will buy the same Nutella, you will taste the same Nutella that you taste in Washington or in Philadelphia. And the same it happened for our, for our consumers. They know that they recognize the Mezza Corona as a benchmark, as a nice wine or a good wine. I like Mezza Corona. And they want every year to feel the same sensation and the same pleasure. That's, that's the big challenge because obviously we are working, we are not working with the, like the Nutella, with the nuts. We are working with something that is coming from the nature and is affected by the season. If you have a good season, you can have a good grape. If you have a bad season, you don't have a, the perfect grape that you are dreaming. But with the techniques, with the technology, not with the chemistry, with the technology and with the know-how, you can drive the grape into your philosophy. You can drive the fermentation. You can drive all the microbiological process into your philosophy. And then this is to close the, to close the circle is when you decide to make the final assemblage, the final blend that I will go to bottle, is, okay, remember all the time what, why people like Mesa Corona or likes Rotary. Likes Rotary because it has this characteristic. Okay, you have to pick all the components and also then small lots. You, you saw in the winery big container, but also you saw small containers. These small containers, we, we maintain specific types of, uh, of Chardonnay that have a specific character. It's like the salt and pepper, you know? When you make a soup, you put all the vegetables together and then you put the aromas. Okay, consider the aroma, the little containers. Because you like every time your soup that has this taste. Okay, you put the potato, you put all the vegetables together, but at the end of the story, you put your pool, your mix of spice. And we do exactly the same. And that is the big game. The big, the big effort and the, the big job that we do after the, the harvest is to maintain the philosophy of the company. So and continue to uh, uh, bond and to link with our uh, customers because they want to feel the same wine, the same pleasure, the same crispy character, fruity character when they taste a Chardonnay, when, we taste, when they taste a Pinot Grigio, when they taste a red wine or whatever. That's the big, uh, so important is not just to be uh, a skilled winemaker, but it's important is also to understand what's the philosophy and also what is all the feedbacks that, that are coming from our, from the markets. So take the feedbacks and then every year decide to make, if it's necessary, a little change in order to accomplish the request of the, of the consumers. Mezzo Corona is a huge facility and I wanted to discover how a smaller one worked. Lucky for me, Andrea Lucchetta was on hand to tell the story of how Bellavidere, his small winery, was founded. Okay. Uh, my grandfather bought uh, the house and the first uh, three hectares around in uh, the 60s. He was uh, a dentist, so <laughs> another word. Uh, but uh, at the beginning of... Uh, of um, 2000, uh, my grandfather and also the farmer who uh, kept uh, the, the property for uh, a lot of years uh, um, got uh, uh, ill and uh, so uh, my father uh, came, uh, he, he, he started to, to follow the, the vineyard 
And then in uh, 2003, he decided to, to build uh, the, the, the winery. So an underground uh, winery. It, uh, it, he realized a huge uh, hole and then uh, replanted uh, the vineyard. So, so he uh, started the, from nothing? From nothing, from yeah. Nothing. Mm. <laughs> Before we, we sold uh, the, the grapes uh, to um, a social uh, winery, so a bigger, so, a bigger so one. How long did you sell the grapes for? Ah, we About. sold. Uh, we have uh, been. We have sold the grape uh, for uh, forty years, and then in uh, two thousand four, uh, we started to uh, to produce our our wine. So our first label was in two thousand four. And why did you decide to do that? I uh, I studied uh, law, but uh, <laughs> uh, I thought that um, uh, it uh, it wasn't my my way, and uh, so both I and uh, my brother uh, decided to uh, to come in uh, in our familiar company. Um, so why did what did you decide to make first? To make first, first for you know you have seventeen different ah, labels okay. now. So uh, at, f- at first uh, um, Chardonnay, of course, uh, Chardonnay that uh, become, becomes also Trento Doc, so sparkling wine, and uh, Pinot Blanc Sauvignon, and as uh, red varieties Teroldego and uh, and Lagrain. Of course, I should have asked you this before, but I assume those were the ones that you already were growing and selling on, right? Were those grapes? All, uh, all these. Oh, all you these, had all those. We are uh, uh-huh. st- uh, still producing uh, them and also, yeah, to sell. Um, so you decided to do the Chardonnay first, the Trento Yeah, Dog? because we, we had, uh, of the, course, uh, uh, <laughs> you Chardonnay. you had Chardonnay grapes? Uh, at first as uh, steel wine and uh-huh. uh, from uh, 2006 uh, uh, as uh, Trento Dock, so sparkling wine. And you were ready because, why don't you tell us about how you produce the Trento Dock? Uh, Trento Dock is uh, a sparkling wine made by the classic method, so Champenoise method, the same of uh, Champagne. Because in 20th century, at the beginning of the 20th century, Giulio Ferrari, the founder of Maison Ferrari, uh, went to Champagne and uh, imported the, the method. Uh, that's uh, why in Trentino we produce uh, uh, sparkling wine by the classic method. And uh, we, as uh, young producers, uh, decided to uh, focus on uh, Nature. So, uh, or Padose or Dosaggio Zero. It means that uh, uh, we don't add anything to, to the wine after the second fermentation. We fill the bottle with uh, the same wine. And so we, we obtain a, a dry wine with all uh, two grams of sugar residual. But you also make a Trento Doc Rosé and non-natural. Also Rosé yeah. and, uh, and Brut because, Brut. you know, you, you have... Uh, to uh, to go on the market and so you you can't uh, uh, you can't know before the the taste of uh, of the market but uh, in uh, in the years uh, we saw that uh, uh, people uh, prefers uh, dry wines 
maybe in Italy, abroad, uh, uh, they still uh, uh, prefer uh, sweet wine, but uh, in Italy, dry. Um, so how long was it before you first decided to do Trento Doc to you actually having a bottle that you could sell? Uh, three, three years, because we, we produce only on Reserva, so almost uh, 36 months on, on the Easter stock. And, uh, and so you need uh, about uh, three years from, uh, from the harvest to the, to the bottle. And when, so, you, when you tasted it for the first time, what did you think? Yes, I have it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, as I said, we, we were uh, between the first uh, that uh, produced uh, Nature. So the first, mm. uh, the first harvest was uh, 2006. And in uh, 2009, uh, during a presentation in an um, institutional meeting, uh, we were only uh, four producers uh, that uh, uh, produce uh, uh, Trento Doc Nature. Now is uh, fashionable, is uh, trendy, and so all produce uh, Nature. Uh, and you find Nature also in, uh, in other zone of, uh, of classic method because uh, the people now prefer uh, dry wines. It's funny, I was going to ask that, you know, how is the demand for the nature versus the tradition, you know, the traditional non-nature? Brut or demisec yeah, or, right. uh, okay. Uh-huh. And uh, no, uh, we, we started with um, uh, 25% of uh, the Gorgeman as uh, nature and uh, 75, so as, uh, as brut, as normal right. one. And uh, today, these uh, percentage are uh, inverted. And so 75 uh, uh, gorged uh, as uh, nature and uh, 25 uh, as uh, brut. And so tell me about some of the other things, especially that we drank today. Uh, today we, we drank uh, as a white uh, uh, wine, Muller Thurgau, so an aromatic uh, white wine. Invented by a Swiss professor, uh, Herr Muller, in uh, Canton uh, Thurgau. Uh, but uh, Muller Thurgau uh, found his uh, um, um, uh, its uh, ideal uh, habitat in, uh, in Trentino, uh, and so is a variety that uh, that is uh, very diffused in uh, in Trentino. Mm-hmm. And how about the other ones? And the other one, as a red wine, uh, Teroldego. Uh, Teroldego grows only in Trentino, so a, a local uh, red uh, variety. And uh, it gives uh, a, a wine rich of uh, color and, uh, and structure. How about Vino Santo, which, you know, is one of the typical um, Trentino wines? Do you yeah. make that as well? Not, because uh, uh, my father uh, comes from uh, Valle Belaghi. So uh, the, the zone where uh, Noziola grows. Noziola is uh, the white variety with uh, which uh, you make uh, Vino Santo. And uh, he, sa- he, he says uh, always, he always says that uh, he, he saw two Noziola when uh, he was young. And so he preferred uh, to produce a sweet wine with Gewurz uh, Tramina. So, Aromatic white wine also. Well, should we go try some of that? I haven't yeah, had it yet. At, at the end with, uh, with the dessert. Okay, oh. fantastic. <laughs> we tried some of his pasito and it was yummy. 
Now that the meal was ending, I couldn't help but want to have a glass of grappa, one of the other spirits Trentino is known for. We headed straight to Villa de Varda Distillery, one of the oldest in Italy. Michele Dolzan, whose family's been making grappa for centuries, joined me for a chat to go along with that grappa. My family started five generations ago to produce grappa. We are one of the oldest uh, family distillery in Italy. We produce a very niche uh, grappa with a very small uh, quantity. We distill six times the grappa. For this, our grappa is very authentic, very aromatic, very clean, clear. We distill the very fresh pomas of the uh, best grape from Trentino region. And uh, with the special uh, method, we uh, drink and taste a very clean and elegant grappa. What are the grapes? You said local grapes. So which do you do? Yeah, we uh, buy the skin grape from the best winery in Trentino region. A very juicy grape. The winery don't press too much the grape and we distill immediately the pomas. Exception from Amarone, Brunello and Barolo Grappa, we buy uh, the skin grape from three uh, important winery in other regions and we distill with our special metal. Um, and because we're here in Trentino, what are the local grapes that you the, use for the local grappa? Sure, the local grapes are uh, Moscato, Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, and in our village, Mezzo Lombardo, we produce a wonderful grape called Teroldego. It's a red uh, grape, very fruity, you taste the berry fruit, and uh, the grappa is the flag of uh, Trentino grappa because it's very uh, clean, elegant. When I drink the Teroldego grappa, I smell the mountain, the dolomite. It's very fresh. That's very romantic. Exactly. <laughs> um, and do you make anything other than grappa here? Yeah, our focus is uh, um, in the age grappa. We age uh, the grappa uh, five years in the special French uh, oak uh, cask. Uh, we use the cask only one time. For this, the, um, the wood characteristic is very uh, soft and elegant in the spirit, in the grappa. And uh, we produce a very good line of uh, liquors, for example, blueberry, green apple, elderflower, we leave the fruits and the flower in the grappa for four months and we add 8% around of sugar and it's a wonderful drink for the best cocktail or also a, a shot after a good dinner or in the top of panna cotta in the Italian dessert you can add our fruit liquor. Very good and good tasty. Now, you also served an Amaro. So can you tell me yeah. a little bit about the Amaro? Yeah, the Amaro is a very old uh, liquor. It's very, from Italy. It's very good for the best digestion. After um, a good uh, dinner, you drink the San Vigilio Villa de Varda Amaro. It's uh, completely uh, natural. We pick up the herbs in the mountain, a 1,000 meter height in the mountain. We pick up the herbs with our hand and we leave for five months the herbs in the alcohol. We have a special license from the police of the forest. They give me the permission where pick up the herbs. 
for example, one type of herbs in this mountain for don't stress too much the mountain. And we leave the herbs in the alcohol and will be a fantastic drink. You put in the freezer with a lot cube, a skin of orange is a wonderful cocktail. Now, you talked about license, but mm -hmm. you have a special license yeah. for making grappa. And can you tell everyone what is the yeah. number of your license? Exactly. We have, um, you know, in each country in the world, the state gives a special license for produce spirit. And uh, we have very old license with the number 17. Which, and how many are there now? If you wanted to apply now, yeah. what number would that be? <laughs> it's very, for this you understand the, the <laughs> old uh, tradition. It's very old tradition in my family. From five generations, we have the license, this license 17. And uh, it's very old. And from this, you understand uh, our uh, long um, uh, activity and experience in the grappa production. And you were saying that if you tried to um, get a license now, what number would it be? Yeah, I don't know, probably 8,000. Right. But, uh, yeah, but, but you were number 17. It's very difficult to receive uh, now a new license probably uh, because it's very small and niche market in the spirit world, the grappa production. So should we go try some now? Yeah, sure. You are very welcome. We, you are welcome to taste uh, our special grappa with, with me and with your group. Last but certainly not least, and most surprising, was meeting Andrea Paternoster, whose honey is world-renowned. Little did I know he made mead as well. And how? Well, in the same method as local favorite Trento Doc. Uh, the mead in general is uh, one of the most uh, ancient uh, drink, alcoholic drink, fermented drink in the world, in the planet. And uh, we try to give uh, our personal interpretation of this uh, drink. And we live in an in a, in a area, in a geographic area, uh, where it's important, it's very important, the sparkly wine, dry, sparkly wine called uh, Trentino Doc, and we try a sort of, we find a sort of uh, inspiration in this, and we make a double fermentation with honey. The second fermentation is in the bottle. We use two different kinds of honey. In the first fermentation, 30% of uh, wild flower, very delicate, that we, the, our bees collect in the Eight Mountain, the Dolomites. And uh, in the second fermentation, the fermentation in the bottle, we use uh, only few quantity, about 3% of other honey, very aromatic, very complex, very rich in aroma and uh, in the smell. And um, this honey is uh, important because give a boost in the, in the taste of the, the drink. The second fermentation um, handed in the, the October of uh, 2017. Then this uh, drink, this uh, mead, stay 14, 15 months on the east. Uh, after this uh, 
period, we take out the the hist, uh, the the or sboccatura italiano, and is uh, is ready right now for the market. It's uh, only few quantity for us. is a sort of joke, but I'm very proud because uh, because um, this drink is uh, totally current current with our idea of the honey. Honey is a noble ingredient. You can use the honey all day in different moment of the day in your traditional kitchen or in the kitchen exotic or in the family or gastronomic. And the honey could be the right boost for every dish with the salty dish and the and the sweet uh, is a very noble product and very healthy who was the who used the honey in their alimentation help the beekeeper and help the the bees in this way can improve the biodiversity in our poor planet Thanks so much to Matteo, Andrea, Michele, and Andrea for joining me on Lush Life. It was an incredible trip to Trentino, and I highly recommend it. As I said earlier, you can see photos of all these gentlemen and read a bit more about them and the spirits they make in my Lush Guide to Trentino at alushlifemanual.com. But right now, it's time for our Cocktail of the Week. Our Cocktail of the Week is not really a cocktail recipe, but a syrup recipe, and a syrup which can be used in loads of cocktails. On the aforementioned jaunt through Trentino, we met Nona Ponomarenko at the Agriturismo Mazo Flancarai, where she showed us how to make an amazingly aromatic yet subtle rose syrup to add to Chardonnay. At least that's what she added it to, and it was incredible. We picked her roses to make it, but please buy culinary-grade roses. Do not use the ones you get at the florist. Then you only need one cup water, one cup sugar, one lemon, and two cups of fresh rose petals. Place the rose petals in a bowl, and then squeeze the juice of a lemon all over them and scrunch the liquid with the petals. Place the water and sugar in a saucepan and bring to a boil. Stir it to dissolve the sugar. Then add in the rose petals and cook for about 10 minutes. Strain it into glass jars, removing the petals from the liquid. Then turn the glass jars upside down and store for a few days. When it's ready, add it to Chardonnay or Prosecco or anything you want. You'll find this recipe plus a video of Nona making it and all the cocktails of the week at alushlifemanual.com where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. It's that time of year when Lush Life takes a break and regroups with a mojito in hand. Don't be sad, because in September, we'll be back to revisit Alessandro Palazzi from Duke's Bar 
have an old-fashioned with Jenna Ba, the Bullet Bourbon brand ambassador, and toast to Eddie Brooke of Cape Byron Distillery, and so much more. Plus, we'll be bringing you a huge announcement, but you'll have to wait for it. Until next time, bottoms up and have a great summer. Thanks for listening to the Lush Life Podcast. For more information and links to everything you've heard, plus a whole lot more, please visit alushlifemanual.com. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and always drink responsibly. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. Lush Life is produced by Evo Terra. And I'm your drinking partner, Susan Schwartz. I'll see you at the bar.